The Money Show. Ad feature. With Andy Rice. So much to go through tonight, Andy. Um, where should we start? Um, how about with the iPhone communication, the iPhone ad? Would that be a good place to start? Because it addresses let's, one of the... Mm, yep. let, let's start with this, because this goes to privacy. It goes to your right to keep your data private. I want to listen, George, if we can, just to this advert from iPhone, from Apple, um, talking all about privacy, this particular issue, and then Andy's take on it in a moment. When you're using apps on your iPhone, you may start to see this. It's the new app tracking transparency prompt. It's a feature that gives you a choice. A choice on how apps use and share your data. Data like your age, location, health information, spending habits, and your browsing history, to name a few. This data can help to map your runs, tag your photos, or track your location so a nearby store can offer discounts. But some apps have trackers embedded in them that are taking more data than they need sharing it with third parties like advertisers and data brokers. They collect thousands of pieces of information about you to create a digital profile that they sell to others. These third parties use your profile to target you with ads. And they can also use it to predict and influence your behaviors and decisions. This has been happening without your knowledge or permission. Your information is for sale. You have become the product. That's why iPhone users will now be asked a single, simple question. Allow apps to track you or not. Maybe you're okay giving an app your email or location so they can share your data with others to personalize ads or build a profile about you. And if you're not, well, that's what the prompt is for. Whatever you choose is up to you. But at Apple, we believe that you should have a choice. Tracking it's so interesting, Andy, isn't it? I mean, I've noticed it coming up on my own phone, but suddenly the context and everything makes much more sense when I hear this advert, which I'd not heard before. Um, so just explain to me why you're drawing our attention to this. Well, simply because um, the use of, of data that's harvested, to use the expression, online from your your activities, Bruce, mine, everybody's, as soon as they uh, engage in any kind of, of discussion or purchase or whatever, um, then somewhere a little bot is running around or a harvester is collecting the information that they can glean about you and your preferences and, your, as they say, your location. And the question then is, what do they do with this massive amount of data? Now, the, the, uh, the Googles and Facebooks of this world have been saying, oh, no, we only use it for the most honorable purposes, e.g. E to make the advertising more interesting. Um, this has always been taken with a, a fairly big pinch of salt by most people, but this is the first time that someone's taken some action to, if you like, um, uh, only only draw data down from those people who have already said, I don't mind if you do. And that's what um, Apple, through their iPhone, are now uh, discussing. And, and that ad, I think, is probably quite self-explanatory. But what they're saying, there was that nice phrase, you are now the product. What they're saying is if you don't like the idea of an app tracking you, then all you have to do if you use an iPhone is to say that. And uh, it, the figure I've heard is that somewhere uh, up to uh, 85 or 90 percent of iPhone owners have elected not to allow apps to track them, which, which seems to suggest that the um, 
the promise that they use the data properly uh, is seen with some cynicism by the bulk of the market. And this ad is running in the state mm. uh, and is, is being used really in itself as a selling point for iPhones. I wonder how it undermines the, the very business model, though, which is predicated on being able to sell the data. Um, yeah, time will tell, I suppose. Um, on to FNB. I think we can go to FNB. Okay. Well, there's been a lot happening in the banking category uh, in, in recent months and years, indeed. I mean, we have a, a period of massive volatility uh, in, the, in the financial services sector. And we've seen a, a relaunch from Standard Bank recently, a lot of aggress- aggressive advertising from Nedbank. Uh, ABSA continues to punt its, its uh, Africanacity proposition. Um, and now FNB have, uh, have revealed their new campaign positioning. Um, which is all about what they've christened as the changeables. And that's really a sort of a generation of people who are facing many, many new alternatives in the, in, in the way of, of handling your banking needs. So you've got all of these um, young whippersnapper banks coming up and, and biting at the heels of the big five. Um, and um, FNB have, have done this around the concept of the changeables, the generation that is fighting for change. And they've described their, um, their campaign in their own words in one of the uh, press releases to support it. And they spoke about it being a rallying cry, uh, a rallying call for ads to get behind, for, app, for all, sorry, let's start to get again. The ad is a rallying call for all of us to get behind change for the better. And they're saying that um, FNB has always had this, uh, uh, this, aspect to its brand personality that is there to help. Um, Uh, Okay, Paul, pause there for a moment because you want to make another point which I think is critical and that goes back in a little bit of history in terms of of FNB and its advertising. This ad feels a lot like a book I wrote. Um, Just have a listen to just the the tone and the sentiment and the feeling that comes through this FNB, The Changeables ad. But things are never going to change. Um, excuse me, the one thing you can be sure of is change. Things are always changing. And in Zanti, this is the home of change. You know, we live by a code here. That's the most thing to Yeah, that's the most thing to Because with us, we, we know, know if we don't change, things won't change. And we can make it more clear change, he said. Power to the changeables, the adaptable problem solvers who, who don't need a corner. The adaptable problem solvers, power to adaptable problem solvers. It's taking this sort of view that, yes, the environment is difficult. Yes, it's uh, really compromised and complicated. But actually, young people are going to fix the problems of the future. And I, I like the tone of it. Yeah, it, it, it uh, has a real sense of social activism in the way that they're positioning the brand and encouraging people to, as I say, treat it as a rallying cry for all to get involved in the pursuit of change. But the reason that it also um, rang bells with me is because uh, it took me back to 2007 when Paul Harris, one of the, the three founders of, of, uh, of RMB and, and its sibling FNB, um, proposed a campaign, a massive campaign to tackle crime by encouraging people to write a letter which was pre-printed and given to everybody through the media to then-President Thabo Mbeki to, uh, to, to do more to tackle crime. And 
this caused, in fact, it was it was uh, stopped just before it went public, although I think I recall seeing the executions at the time. Um, but um, the campaign was deemed by, uh, by many people, particularly in government, to be pitting the people against the government by highlighting their supposed inefficacy of, of uh, dealing with crime. And uh, uh, there was a bit of a step down, to say the least, and uh, FNB had to swallow their pride and say, OK, we got it wrong. Now, with things changing in the branding world, like the rise of purposeful branding, um, and as I said earlier, all of these new uh, financial services options, things have changed. And I think the FNB are, are returning to their heritage of, of uh, uh, social activism, but in a way that they hope will not uh, resonate so negatively with the government as the last one did. I don't think it will. I think the, the no. circumstances are different. And we're going to see the bulk of the work being released uh, in the next few weeks, a lot of case studies, I understand. But in the meantime, I think we award the hero to, to FNB for having the courage to step back into their um, social activism role within the financial services sector. Yeah, I think this one is far more proactive. It is far more positive. It is. It's not. It's not a taking a direct jab at, at government. And Tabo Beck had a very thin skin, of course, as president of the country, particularly when it came to crime. And he used to speak about perceptions of crime um, as uh, people, as crooks, were running amok. And uh, we know that uh, it wasn't just the crooks with guns running amok at the time as well. There were a lot of crooks even within yeah. his own organisation who were beginning um, their their personal shopping sprees. Um, then your institutional knowledge comes to such a value here, Andy, because you heard an advert, a South African advert, that reminded you of this one. I thought this was just a silly kid's song, the Melbourne one, um, and uh, strange ways to die, stupid ways to die, George. There we go. Uh, dumb ways to die. That's what it is. I heard my kids singing this the other day, and I thought, that's a sick song. I didn't know it was an advertising campaign. Dress up like a moose during hunting season Disturb a nest of wasps for no good reason Stand on the edge of the train station platform Drive around the boom gets at a level crossing Run across the tracks between the platforms They may not rhyme but they're quite possibly Dumbest Ways to Die. That is from an advertising campaign in Melbourne in Australia. This one is a local campaign, more recent. The next one, George. The next one, George. Number four. This one. A nasty cough infects your lungs. The soccer match goes somewhere wrong. A yoga class almost breaks your back. doesn't see the similarity here, Andy, but he's not seen the graphics. He's not seen the, the visual representation, which is the blobby little creatures, which I think has got your goat. Exactly. I mean, the, the audio track that you've just played for me would be convincing enough of a certain uh, uh, borrowing of an idea. But when you look at it um, with the visuals uh, from uh, from both ads, they, they use what might be called a sort of 
um, a deliberate naivety in the way that they have, with the way that the message is visually conveyed, using, um, as you say, blobby lozenge-shaped characters in primary colours, um, uh, just singing along to to even the messages have a, have a link in the sense that the the Melbourne trains. Uh, campaign was about a, a good behaviour in and around trains to stop you getting killed by them, um, and the clientele one is about behaviour that might, might or might not land you in expensive hospital care. Um, but I just think it's really disappointing that, uh, and it's not as if the Melbourne ad was not well known. It was it was at the time of its release in I think 2012. It was the most shared uh, single advertisement. Uh, ever in the history of then of the internet and uh, okay others have overtaken it since but it was widely known widely um, hummed and sung like your kids and uh, it just disappoints me that the, the, the clientele who are the advertisers in the second one um, have chosen to do something so blatantly um, well frankly not far short of plagiaristic and I, I, I just hope that no one charged or was paid any creative origination fee for that because it was not by any standards original and I think that um, if, if we don't have the courage to do original work um, then then more brands like clientele will get zero qualifications as well. Andy Rice claws out this evening thank you Andy Rice